Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey, welcome everybody. Welcome to California Haunts Radio tonight. Let's get my buttons pushed. There we go. I only like it when I can push my buttons. Anyway, I want to welcome to everybody. It's Thursday night, California Haunts Radio night. It's actually the Friday for California Haunts Radio. Uh, welcome everyone tonight, and I've got a really good show lined up for you. I think you're going to like it. Uh, I know I'm going to like it because I'm really interested in this stuff too. We're going to be talking tarot with Sasha Graham, and uh, I have a lot of questions about tarot, and I think I think I think other people do too. So we'll be getting into that in a second. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour or so. And I am also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. You can find us at www.californiahaunts.org. I can't remember this. And then the California Haunts Radio Show, which is another mouthful, is www.californiahauntsradio.com. So you can see why I have to pause and remember which site I'm talking about. Uh, the California Haunts Radio, uh, California, <laughs> that's going to be another one of those nights for me. The California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team is 35 strong. We're located up and down the state of California. And we're in Oregon, Washington, Nevada, and Hawaii. We have investigators. And we're nonprofit. So if you have if, if you have what you feel is a paranormal problem in your house and you'd like us to come out and take a look, we can do that. We don't charge anything to do it. Uh, it's just a service we provide because we're trying to help people. And we're also trying to study that stuff. You know, we're, we're as curious as the next guy about, you know, is there life after death and all that. And all that, and all that, and all that. Anyhow, that announcement's done. See how quick I'm going through this stuff today. I am teaching a psychic development class on Sunday. It's a psychic development class one where um, you can meet your spirit guides and meet your spirit book and meet your, you know, feel your spirit object, see your spirit animal. And uh, it's, it's kind of like a basic thing to teach you how to how, how to leave your body and come back in safely. And uh, so that'll be on Sunday. And if you want to check that out, go to the website at www.californiahauntsradio.com and click on events up at the top and you will get in there and the page is right there for you to check it out. Anyway, without further ado, I'm going to bring Sasha in here and let her tell you about herself and what she does. And uh, let's have some fun today, okay? Here we go. Hello. Hi, Charlotte. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to have you on. This is great. I love your vibe. I'm so excited that you have like, how, what did you say? 35 people strong going up and down the California coast. Yeah, up and down the California, the state of California. Yeah. Plus we've got people in Oregon, Washington, uh, Nevada, and Hawaii. Amazing. That's amazing. Ah, such an honor. It's a big, to be team. Here. It's a big team. So tell me about you. So uh, uh, I am a tarot author. I write tarot books and I create tarot decks. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, I've written over 10, 10 tarot books and 10 and, and, and tarot decks as well. So yeah, um, awesome. so I'm a metaphysical author and I love talking about interfacing with the mysterious unseen world. I think tarot is the perfect tool to do that. Now, I have a question about tarot. Now, a lot, like, my paranormal investigators think that tarot is, 
is another opening, kind of like using an Ouija board. Is, it, is that what it is? Well, you know, I think there's this idea that a Ouija board is something that kind of is, it, it, it like, it's like blowing open the doors of the Lincoln Tunnel at rush hour. You don't know what's going to come right, right, right. through. <laughs> Whereas when you're working with a, a, a tarot deck, it's really kind of self-oriented in that mm -hmm. how the tarot winds up being utilized is entirely dependent on the person using the cards. Um, so okay. I think there's a lot more of a sense of control um, and an art form to the art of tarot. Okay. So it's not, you're essentially, it's, it's not like it is with like a Ouija board where you're opening that, that door wide and anything and everything's going to come through there. I mean, I, I, I don't do work with Ouija boards. I'm okay. just talking about kind of the general consensus. Right, 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 right. Right. Um, but yeah, and 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 certainly there there's centuries of of use with tarot. I mean, it, it is an ancient art form. Whether you're using them for games or for divination, right? Um, so it's certainly something that has been handled profusely by you know generation upon generation of people. So it has a real nice packed history to it. What got you into using it? I'm a Halloween baby. I was, oh. I was born on Halloween, so I just I just felt like reading tarot was my birthright. So when I got my first deck of cards when I was 12 years old, and I opened them up and I couldn't read them, like I didn't know what I was looking at, I was utterly gobsmacked. And that wound up being my very first book was about how to, you know, I didn't I didn't want anybody else to be upset when they when they were excited to read the cards and then thought that they couldn't. So my first book was based on showing anyone that they could read tarot. That's cool. And then with tarot cards, my question is this. I mean, you see stuff on TV, you know, where, 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 where you see the psychic at the fair, or you, see, or you see some nasty mystic in some TV shows, you know, that I'm not going to mention. And it's always, you know, the, they hit certain cards and then the look on their faces like, oh, my God, I can't tell you this. Is, is that true? I mean, with certain cards in the deck or, or is it just it, it, those certain cards could just mean bad luck? Oh, oh, no, 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 no. The cards don't really talk about luck. I mean, once again, you have to look at the context through which uh -huh. the general public gets their idea about what uh, tarot cards are. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, it is women uh, who read the tarot. So, of course, you know, anything where you have like a wise woman is often sort of denigrated. If you look at kind of the archetype of the witch in Hollywood, it's mm -hmm. either a super like hot situation where it's like a hot young witch or it's like um, an evil witch controlling men and, and forcing them to do things. Very rarely is it a woman fully empowered. Um, so this idea that, yeah, like tarot is something that is very mysterious and the death card portends death. Right. Is a very Hollywood notion. Um, and, you know, in fact, the death card is number 13 in, in the major arcana. It's the halfway point. It's not the end. Not not even close. Okay, okay. Well, tell us what some of the cards mean, because I know a lot of people don't realize that, and it'd be nice to get that out in the world so people aren't so, like, leery about tarot. So tarot is as old as card play itself. The thing that separates it is uh, the major arcana, which is based on these, like, large and looming archetypes that everybody is familiar with. So we have things like the empress, which is the mother, the emperor, which is the father, the death card, of course, which sometimes can mean death, but it also is the metaphor for death. We have the world card, which is essentially nirvana, right? Kind of this like perfected world state. We have the moon, which talks about dreams and your psychic ability. 
we have the star, which is about healing and communication and muse-like artistic energy. So really what, when you're looking at a deck of tarot cards, it's really kind of like a mini universe. It's a mini you. It's like looking at 78 different facets, not only of your personality, but of all aspects of your life. Okay. And what about the different decks? What, what, what do they mean? So, so it's, it, there's thousands and thousands of different kinds of tarot decks on the market because you can take kind of any, any theme, any aesthetic and put it on top of the structure of tarot and tarot still retains kind of its strength. Um, tarot is not an oracle deck. Oracle decks are very separate. A tarot deck is always 78 cards. It's always made up of the majors and the minors. Um, and that is also why I always call tarot the gateway to the metaphysical arts, because you can layer all of these different esoteric systems from astrology to Freemasonry to Kabbalah right on top of tarot, and it fits perfectly. Can you do um, advanced read? I mean, uh, you know, like like pre-read something with tarot, like like say like like you mentioned astrology. Looking at say what's going to happen in twenty twenty two. Can you do that with tarot cards? Yeah, I mean, it, it's not how. So that would be a divinatory reading, right? Reading okay. the cards to talk about the future, what's going to happen right. in the future, or what's you know, I. I will do that, but it's mm -hmm. not, in my opinion, the best way to utilize the tarot. Okay. I always feel like one of the things that working, having a personal tarot practice teaches you that there really is no past and there really is no future. There's only right now. Mm -hmm. um, and, and therefore you realize how much power you have over your destiny. You know, when tarot cards first came out in the Renaissance, Destiny wasn't as pre, you know, was very predetermined. Like if you were born a surf, you stayed a surf, <laughs> right. right? So this idea that your fate was written in the stars when, you know, if you, you know, in, in your arranged marriage, right? If you were a woman and going to be in an arranged marriage, you were going to hope, you know, to have lucky stars because people back then were not as autonomous as we are. Mm -hmm. as we are now. Um, so really the way that, that people use it, I think, is it is much different now. But then you can also, you can use it to tell the future if you want to. You can use it to talk to ghosts, spirit guides. I mean, any anything you want to do, you can pretty much do with a deck of cards. But yeah, I could read 2022 if you wanted me to. <laughs> uh, Jerry Baser in our chat room says, what is the best way to read the tarot cards? So in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, but I think the best way to read tarot is for yourself. I think the best possible thing you can do is sit with a cup of coffee or tea in the morning and kind of clear your mind and, and, and draw a single card and, and, and use it for some like great question, right? Once you're, you open up a deck of cards, especially if it's just you by yourself reading, it's the opportunity for you to have a conversation. Um, and it's up to you as the reader, who you want to be conversing with. Are you like essentially talking to yourself, your higher power? Are you talking to ghosts or guides or something in the invisible world? Um, so what are you interested in? Like tarot should be fun too. So like I started out really reading tarot to know about boys and reading for my friends, you know, <laughs> and romance. Like I didn't, I never intended it to be this kind of grand um this grand way for me to understand the nature of the universe, which is it, it, it's become start with what's fun. Like you should, the best way to read tarot is a way that like makes you laugh and giggle and keeps you curious. That's interesting. I've never looked at tarot that way. 
ever. You know, I've had people do reads on me, and uh, I have somebody in my team that, that that uses tarot. But you have such a positive uh, attitude about it, and I think it's really cool. Well, it's really it's it's really fun too because tarot teaches anybody who like it teaches you as as the reader. It teaches you so much about how you interface with the invisible world. So when you're like working with it for like psychic or intuitive development, suddenly you really you really start to feel because we're all built so differently. So like the way that you're psychic or intuitive is probably much different than the way I am to much different from whoever's listening right now. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it's the same way. I like to say that, like, um, none of us kiss the same way. Right. And the, our experience of of the invisible world is as unique as our kiss. Um, and so tarot starts to help you figure it out. So then you kind of know yourself better, even when you're not using the cards. When you get a psychic pop, you're like, oh, I know that was real. You know the difference between when it's really happening, when it's not happening. And you trust yourself more because you're because working with tarot puts you into that place where you get to know when you're in the zone. Now, when you're reading tarot or you're doing or, or doing you're working with the cards, do you have to be in a quiet place? I mean, if, if, you, if you're in an apartment or something, you know, where there's a ton of people in the apartment. What, wouldn't the influences come into it? Yeah, I mean, it's real helpful. It's real helpful for you to be in a place. Like I always say, especially in the beginning when you're first learning how to use the cards, like there's a reason there's a sensuality inherent with tarot card reading. Like there's a reason when you think of a tarot card reader, there's silken cloths and a candle. And mm -hmm. like, it's a very sensual experience. And what this is doing, right? It's like... um like kind of any religious or sacred uh, opening, it's letting you know, it's like cueing you that this is a special space. So if you can have a quiet space where you can work with your cards, especially in the beginning, that's wonderful because it's just going to help you focus on what's going on. That being said, when I used to read, I don't, I don't read professionally as a reader anymore because I spend so much time teaching and writing about tarot now. But I would read cards. I'd get hired out at parties. I'd read next to DJ speakers blasting. And I mean, people would be coming and talking about the most significant, important things in their life. And and like, you know, TLC would be blasting out of the speakers and there'd be drunk people flinging themselves around. So you're in tarot in any circumstance. But if you're just learning how, like, make it easy for yourself. That's like ghost hunting. You know, when you start out ghost hunting and you have to do, do these older hotels and, and they don't shut down till like three, four in the morning, you know, the bars and everything. So you're doing your EVP sessions and you're, you're trying to do all, do all your stuff over all that noise. Oh yeah. I know what it's like. Absolutely. It's so funny, but, it, but it, you can, but you still get the information, right? Yeah. You still get the EVPs, but you just have to modify how, how you go about doing it so that you can adjust to that atmosphere when you're, you know, when you're doing it um you started teaching how long have you been reading okay uh, no you can't don't tell me how old you are but i, I mean how old i am i'm 51 huh what how old 51 wow okay so you've been doing this since you were what what did you say earlier 12 i got my first deck when i was 12 wow and, and then i started reading professionally when i what my daughter was three so 2006, and then about five years later, I published my first book in 2011. So you, you're self-taught? 
Is that what you said? That yeah. Well, in the beginning, I was self-taught. Okay. Then, okay. When I started charging for readings and building a, a private clientele, then I, I, I didn't want to do that without properly studying. So then I studied at the tarot school in New York City. Wow. That's quite the career. Quite the career. It's so been amazing. It's taken me all over the world. Really, I bet it has, huh? I saw your website. It's a really fun website. Really cool. Thank you. I've got to check out our website because it's, it's, it's something to look at. Um, what's one of the most unique readings you've ever done? Hmm. I love to read for people actually that I'm vibing with in like a flirtatious way. <laughs> so I like I I and. And be, just because on my end, it's that is just so delicious and pleasurable. So I, I, I read for a very gorgeous, incredible uh, NFL uh, player, uh, sort of at the height of his career. And again, that was at a, it was at a party down in uh, Soho. It was loud. It was fat. We were in the VIP section, but it was a beautiful experience. It was a beautiful experience. I think, um, very much because part and parcel of being like a top athlete, um, mm -hmm. he was naturally in the zone and he, you know what I mean? And so were the people that he was with. And so the reading was like incredibly beautiful. Sometimes as a reader, you really catch empathetically the energy of the other person. And it's nice to let it in when it is something very inspiring. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so, and I also always loved readings when you read at parties and when you're hired for private parties, especially like family parties, um, you often find that like everybody kind of get you kind of it, it's that whatever drew them all together as a friend group works its way into the reading. Um, and so when you're with really extraordinary people, uh, really fun, creative and interesting people, you wind up in inevitably kind of being filled with that energy. So that's that's me selfishly as a as a reader saying um, that that was really interesting. But but also when crazy psychic stuff happens. And this is something for anybody listening out there, when some kind of crazy information comes into your head and it makes no sense, when especially when you're reading tarot, you always have to say it out loud because psychic info, and that's, it's so, that's what's always so fun. When like, I would blurt something out that didn't make sense to me and then their face dropped and we're like, how did you know that? Oh my God, it made sense to them because it was a message for them. Right, right. Yeah, when I teach my psychic development classes, I, I teach that there's really no wrong answers because the information is coming to you guys so fast that that's all you can do. You can't you can't sit there, and, you know, and 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 focus on it. You just have to blurt it right out. It yeah, and you, and you have to trust that the person sitting across from you is going to fill in the blanks. Like that was a lesson I learned very late into my career as a reader reader was that I, I didn't have to know what was going on with the person. I just trusted the information that was coming through. It would make sense to them. And it, and it does, and it did. And it was less exhausting for me as a reader. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now I know there's some readers out there that are, I guess I'll use the word charlatans. How can you tell when you've got a reader that, that, that that's a charlatan as opposed to somebody like yourself? That's, that's, that's legit. Yeah, yeah. Right. So there's charlatan readers, just like there's, you know, scam lawyers and, and, and off-color priests, right? It's not, you know, scammers don't exist only in, in, in tarot. Mm -hmm. um, but it is very important to, for anybody who is getting a reading, a psychic reading, an intuitive reading, a tarot reading, 
um, because of the nature of what happens when you're in a reading, when most of us, most of us that want to get read because we believe that, that that we're sitting with someone who does have the power to see us, um, we drop kind of all of our defenses because we want to be seen, typically. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is what makes actually the act, the art of tarot reading such a special thing. Because if you think about when you go to get a psychic reading, um, we just assume that person can see everything about us. And how mm-hmm. often do we spend 20 minutes in front of anybody who's like consciously paying such close attention to us or who truly sees us? It's a very sacred space. But within that, of course, there are the people who are going to take advantage, those terrible like scammers who like, you know, take sick people $40,000 later, you know. Um, so the important thing is, number one, interview the person who you are going, who's going to read you right? Especially in the beginning when you're sussing your psychic reader out, you are in control of your reading, not them. So you have to know that you're in a safe space. Um, You also have to keep your expectations in check. Know what it is, what kind of information specifically you want to be getting from that reader. Like, what are your expectations? And ask them how they work. Ask your reader what kind of information they're going to deliver to you. Because I even I've sat down with people I knew I shouldn't have, right? The power of suggestion is strong. You're going to get that, that reader's personality more than anything. So if you're sitting down with a Demi, Debbie Downer or, God forbid, a scammer, who is going to like tell you everything you want to hear and then tell you there's something like the traditional line, the traditional scammer line is, I'm going to read you. I'm going to read you. Oh, what is that? Okay. I see X, Y, Z. There's bad energy in your life. Oh, it's bad. But I'm going to, I'm going to do a spell. I'm going to pray it away. I'm going to do some spiritual work on your behalf, $300 and come back next week and I'll yeah. be for you. So it's a, it's a fear-based thing. Um, yeah. So, so you shouldn't see a tarot reader or a psychic reader more than once every six months. I wouldn't take clients more than once every six months because it's not therapy. It's yeah. a psychic reading, you know. It can feel therapeutic, but it's not therapy. And then you get the people that will go from one psychic reader to another too. Yeah, just to validate until they hear what they want to hear. <laughs> they want to hear, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or yeah. I mean, or they just want to go because they want to talk about, you know, a relationship that they can't stop talking about, you know, and it's someone to listen or yeah. I mean, there's a million different reasons that, that people, people go. So you just have to be clear on why you're going to get your reading. Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, you've been, like I said, you, you've been doing this for a long time and what type of people come to you for reading? I mean, like you talked about the the sports guy, cause you were at the party, you know, the, the football yeah. player, but what type of people come to you for readings? Uh, so like I said, I don't do readings for the public anymore just because right. I spend so much time um, well, they teaching, did. Yeah, yeah. teaching in school. But I, I think that this was always true for me when I was a reader, and I think it's true for anybody out there who's who reads would probably agree. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of that law of attraction thing where I would bring clients, I would tend to attract clients um, that were in my age range that were like, I had a lot of Saturn return um, people coming 
to me. So I felt like I was attracting a lot of people, clients who were actually very similar to me. And, you know, and, and so that was kind of Saturn return, New York city, professional, really creative, interesting men and women, more women than, than men for the most part. And people who are curious about what their next steps were going to be professionally. And then always, of course, about love. And, Mm -hmm. um, with a couple like fabulous venture capitalists thrown in there as well. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Now, did you notice that, you know, when, when you started doing the readings that, that your abilities as a psychic increased while you were doing it? Is, is that because, I mean, I would think it's because you, you would be opening up with the cards and, and so that, I mean, we're all, we're all born with it. Yes. And I always say at some point, you know, it, it doesn't go away. It just gets buried in our daily lives or whatever we're doing. So I would think that doing something like, like like reading cards like that, because of the focus on there, it, it would bring up, you know, it would make those abilities grow. Absolutely. And thank you for saying that. I think so many people, it, it bothers me when I hear classes and like uh, new age or psychic workers or whatever, talking about how to like activate your third eye as if your third eye is closed. It's not. Talking about like psychic stuff as if, None of us are like only special people are psychic or only psychics are psychic. Everybody's psychic. Everybody's intuitive. Um, and again, I think that's like this part part and parcel of just kind of reclaiming like your birthright as a human being um, it, it is all of that stuff. So um, oh, what was the question? Oh, did I get more psychic? Do I get more? Yes. So yes. But, you know, interestingly, the thing that made me the most psychic in my life was actually when my daughter was born and she was a newborn. And I would say that first six months, because I was so living in anticipation of what she would need. So I was kind of living like 10 minutes in the future. Mm-hmm. So I was weirdly psychic on everything else around me that was going to be happening within 10 minutes. It was really crazy. And I think I was also like, and all the crazy stuff that happens when you to your body when you've I feel like I was like a Ouija board blown wide open. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> but I was really I was really super psychic when right for yeah, like for six months after my daughter was born. No, I understand that because when I started ghost hunting, um psychics attract psychics. And I would go on I would go to meetings with the ghost team. And then weird, weird stuff would happen in the car on the way home. Like flashlights would start turning on and off by themselves. And I'd be like, well, what, you know, what, what is this? And so I, I would call a psychic and the, the one gal, she'd say, oh, you're going to have to learn yourself. What? I got weird things going on. So I, I ended up self-taught. But uh-huh. I remember that. Like you're saying, I remember like yeah, being around them. I got to the point where I could hear people's thoughts before they said them, you know, before it came out when I was at work and stuff. Or before I go out on an investigation, I, I would see the the, 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 the apparition of the, of the person we were, we were investigating. They'd show up in my car, be at work, you know, I see them walk down the hall or something. That's amazing. You know, and then it was one of these things where they were, where nobody helped me. So I just kept going. <laughs> right, cool. right. Wait. Which in, a, which in a way, it's kind of, it, I, I feel like that's the kind of thing that can, because you're going to learn more with your own trial and error, I feel like, than sometimes, because if you wind up, anybody winds up with a teacher that's maybe very, that, that doesn't align with, like, that they, they might be more of a hindrance than a help. And that's what happens 
like when we're kids and we're so wide open and all the crazy stuff is happening. Yeah. We're just playing with whatever's in front of us, right? Which it sounds like what you were doing. Let me ask you a question, something that's been happening to me lately. I should pull cards on this. I haven't. Shit. Has, oh, can I swear on this show? We just did. Okay. <laughs> stuff has flying i books have been flying off shelves my phones have been flying across like off the tables it's weird what have you been going through any stress i'm sorry have you been going through any stress or anything no actually some amazing stuff has been happening so it's not it's the opposite of stress like How old is your daughter? she just went off to college she's 18. okay, okay. okay. That's poltergeist activity. So you got something going on. Yeah. So it's either coming from you or somebody else in the house, maybe. Yeah. I feel like it's connected to me. Yeah. Because it only happened once where my husband was like, what the? Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. So it's coming from you. It's something with your energy levels. Okay. Yeah. I kind of like it. Should I be afraid? No. I wouldn't be afraid until you start hurting people. I'm not afraid. I think it's fabulous. I almost yeah. don't want to know. I, I like the mystery of it. <laughs> this could be something going on with you that you don't realize is going on with you. And it's just, it just happens. You know, cause you're doing a lot, you know, you're, even though you're teaching, you're still doing this work, you know, essentially cause you're working with people. So it could be the interesting thing about teaching is that is that really anytime I teach a class or, or, or give a lecture, it's really like giving a reading. But instead right. of reading for one person, I'm reading for 30 or for 60. Right, 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 right. So let's talk about you teaching. How do you teach people? Do you do it on Zoom? Are you doing it in person? Uh, I do. I do a whole um, different, lots of different varieties. So for instance, um, next weekend, I'm headlining the StarCon Tarot Conference down in West Palm Beach, Florida. So okay. I'm going down, I'm going to be there in person, but a lot of conferences are now doing a hybrid where it's also online. So sure. I'll be there in a room, I think, with like 70 people, but we're also online. Um, I also teach at places like the Omega Institute um, or the Kerpalo Center for Yoga and Health. I'll be there on February 3rd, 4th, and 5th teaching a yoga and tarot. So that's in person only. And that's like a, a yoga retreat center. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I, te I, I taught a lot on Zoom during the pandemic, but not my favorite thing. I like being re in real life. Um, yeah, so I teach in all, all kinds of different ways. And then I, I do read cards when I'm doing book signings. Like I'll be at a bookstore in Rhode Island in right. February and I often give one card readings you know, when people buy my books or, or buy the decks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that brings me back to the question. You you know, earlier you were t we, were, we were talking about people that the uh, scientific types that are closed off and, you know, that thing they're closed off and stuff. When you're teaching people, do you run into those people that are sitting there? I want to learn to read tarot, but I'm, I'm psychic like a rock. Huh. Um, I, honestly, no, not, not very often. Uh, and and if anything, what winds up happening, like, because uh, I, I would have skeptical people when, especially when I would read tarot, like at parties, people would come up like, show me this works, ha ha ha. And then I'd read them and it would work. <laughs> and that was always fun watching their faces kind of, oh, how'd you see that? But um, <laughs> that was, that, it's the, the best feeling. But um, 
No, generally in my classes, people have signed up and really want to be there or people are really curious. And what winds up happening, especially in beginner classes, um, and I love this and 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 this happens often like it, this happened with someone at Barnes and Noble recently. I was on a mini book tour for my new book. Um, people come up that aren't really part of this world that have incredible psychic gifts. And they've never articulated it to anyone. So for instance, once I had someone come up to me after a class and she was like, I was a state trooper for over 30 years. She said, and I would always know when a call was gonna go bad. Or I had people people that come that like know when someone's gonna die. Um, mm -hmm. and then would carry that, like didn't know what to do with that information and then felt guilty whatever they did or didn't do. And so it's it's almost like um like confessional like for them to be able to say this this is me and 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 it's so in that way that that makes me really that feels really special to me. That's cool. I have a question in the chat room for you. Yes. Can't you tell if negative stuff is attached to someone or if someone wished bad stuff on somebody else? Can I tell if there's something negative attached to somebody? Absolutely, and we all can. You can you 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 can tell when somebody walks in a room when they've got that negative stuff. You don't need a deck of tarot cards. You just need to be like a human to see that. But um, the question: Can I also see or read if something is attached to that person? Right. Um, I I would say nine times out of ten. If somebody is incredibly dark and negative to begin with, there's of course there's of course dark things attached to them. I've had instances where I found dark things, very dark things that kind of had to be exercised attached to me. Um, so I think that that's pretty much I think I think that's pervasive among all humans. But I think there's good stuff that gets attached to you as well. Mm -hmm. So that, yeah, but yes, absolutely. But I don't think that that's my particular. I think anybody could see that. The most part, yeah. Okay, let's see. Is there and can you tell if someone? Um, oh, okay. If someone wished a bad intention on somebody. Oh, could I tell that? Yeah. Um, well, here actually, what I can see are because whether or not somebody wishes a bad intention or like puts a spell or something like that, like a curse, a curse. <laughs> People curse themselves when they do that. So like, and, and, you know, it's one of those things you hear a lot, the law of the witch's law of three, what you put out comes back to you three times. Mm -hmm. That is no joke. So it's not, you don't have to worry about people putting curses on you. What you have to worry about is inadvertently putting a curse on yourself by wishing bad things towards another person, by living in a state of jealousy, by hating somebody else because they're doing something that you wish you could do. Um, you have to be really careful. And, and that and that that right there, like if you could catch yourself, notice like, and I'm not saying be perfect and be like some person who doesn't, like we're human, right? Mm -hmm. Jealousy points us towards the things we want in life. It's not a bad thing. Um, but the curse is the person who's wishing the curse. The, the, the curse is the person who's wishing ill on another person. It's manifesting inside of you, going out and then coming right back to you. 
So that's the curse. Like it's right. kind of like how we all create our own hell. That's not some, it's not some other place. It's right here on earth. It's right here in our heads, in our bodies. Let's karma rotate. Come right back at you. Um, I'm just interested in the, in the way you teach tarot because I mean, there's so many decks. I mean, when people start out, what, what, what type of deck do they start out on? So I, you know, people I think should always start out with a deck that totally captures their imagination uh -huh. uh, because tarot is in theory a lot. There is a lot of stuff to learn about the deck and like traditionally what it means. Uh -huh. So your first deck should be something that you can't, that you're just brought back to again and again, that you just find beguiling and interesting. Um, but the first thing I teach anybody in a class is throw your books out. Like I write books, but throw throw my book out. You know, you are you already know everything there is to know about tarot because you have the experience of your whole life, right? So so the trick to reading tarot is not to be afraid about getting it wrong. There is no right way. There is no wrong way. You start by reading the image. The, the reason tarot works and that tarot is popular and so many people can read it is because it's like reading the images of a graphic novel, right? So start with one card. You look at a card, like you ask a question, look at the card and let it give you an answer. It's as easy as reading to, it's as, it's, it's as easy as reading a bedtime story to a child um, if you're not afraid mm -hmm. of being wrong. Is there ever a time, and I'm just wondering about this, because normally when you when you see people read tarot, it's it's the tarot reader that's flipping the cards over. Is there ever a time when when you say, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you flip flip your own cards over? I'll interpret what you're flipping. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, I just did, actually, I did a reading for my, my uh, daughter and boyfriend before they went back off to school. And at the end of his reading, I had him read his own card, but the last card, it was like this really important question. Mm -hmm. I, I had him turn the card and then I'm like, you tell me what the answer is. Um, and that's, a, and he did, and it was great. And it meant more because it came from him, not me, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. Now I've seen tarot readers uh, who, when they do read the cards, it's kind of cryptic what they're reading. You know, it's kind of hard to interpret what, 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 they're getting off the cards. Mm -hmm. Is that normal? Um, well, when you're talking about a cryptic reading, meaning like they're like, oh, I see this, I see that. And you're like, what? Yeah. Like, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. What, what the hell? So there, there are a lot in the esoteric world, mm -hmm. I think, of people who, and traditionally, and especially, I think it's changed a lot, but maybe not so much. I don't know. Depending on where you live or where you go to get a psychic reading. Um, there, like, like, in the same way that there's intellectual snobs, snobs, there's like spiritual snobs, right, or tarot reading snobs, who get off on the fact that I'm talking about something so magical, and so esoteric, and so high level. And if I throw a lot of like wordage at you, like high vibe, and this spirit, and that spirit, like, oh my god, there's certain readers like that, and you'll see them when you meet them, like in, in like magic shops, and magic stores, and metaphysical stores, they'll like throw down the names of like 20 arch archangels, and be talking about all this arcane stuff to kind of put you off guard and, and, and position themselves as an expert. Who wants to listen to that? Who cares? 
you're not your job. If you're getting a reading from someone, especially if you're paying for that reading, you should not be trying to decipher what they are saying. Their job is to deliver you messages that you can do something with. So that comes down to like kind of know who's giving you your reading and talk to them first. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless, unless, I mean, maybe, you know, there are people with, with, that are very famous that have like incredible reputations. I know Alejandro, I always say his name wrong. Um, the filmmaker and artist Jardowski reads tarot at a cafe in Paris on Tuesday nights. That man has an incredible reputation and is an avant-garde artist. So to sit across from him and listen to something coded about mm-hmm. you that he sees in the cards could be really fun and fabulous. Right. You know, so it depends on what, what you're looking for. Um, yeah. Yeah. Have you ever uh, read runes at all? No, my husband does. He actually, one day he was like walking, he was like going off on our property, like toward the, I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm going off to get the wood for my runes. He's fashioned his, <laughs> his own set. Do you read runes? I do not, no. No. I know, I, I know someone who does though. That's why I was curious if, if you did. Yeah. I like to read nature. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. I like to, I like to read my life as if it's kind of an enchantment, as if the whole thing is, is a reading because the messages are coming to us. And that's another thing tarot teaches you. The messages are coming all the time and it's just up to us if we want to be, to listen to them. So tarot, and this is just for me privately or for me um, on my own, but like the suits of tarot, four suits have taught me how to converse with the elements so it's like really fun it's really fun to go on a walk and like kind of wait for the right moment walk into a pocket of kind of silence or emptiness and then ask for a message from air or ask for a message from earth um you almost always get a response fascinating um like let's go back um let's jump back to about you teaching tarot you know like you say sometimes you're teaching 30 or 40 people at a time how draining is that on you? Oh, gosh. Great question. Thank you. It's funny. During the pandemic, I was actually teaching master, uh, shadow work master classes with my Darkwood Tarot. Mm-hmm. And those were seven hours. Those were like seven wow. hours. It was seven hours on a Saturday and then four hours on a Sunday. So, yeah, it, it can be draining. Um, but you prepare for a class in exactly the same way you prepare for a tarot reading. Mm-hmm. Um And again, there's this interesting thing that I've learned to do, um, which is essentially I step aside and let the teaching come through me, even though I'm prepared and I know how it's going to go and there's notes and, you know, a PowerPoint presentation and the whole thing is plotted out. Um, The same as in a reading, I step aside and let the information come through me. Um, And in doing that, it doesn't feel like so much of me and then what winds up happening is that i get to vibe on everybody's energy especially after the class is done so usually i i feel very energized uh, sometimes tired but usually i have that like good satiated feeling of mm-hmm. um because it's exciting it's an and it, it inevitably it creates a beautiful kind of sacred space with the students mm-hmm. so the energy we've we've transformed energy in the class so it feels good should people ground themselves before they do a reading? Always, always. I think it's important for people to ground themselves for anything. 
that they're they're doing, <laughs> but especially in a reading because you the act of grounding. Um, it sounds simple, and it is a simple thing to do, um, but it sets up the information to flow. You know, and 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 you cannot be a conduit for information if you're distracted by a million different things, your mind or what just happened or what you're going to go do or like what that squirrel is doing outside on the tree. Um, yeah. So it's important to ground yourself, but I think, but I think it's important to ground yourself like on a regular basis throughout the day, just to check back in with yourself. Mm -hmm. What's an easy way to ground? Simplest way I always do is, and I'm doing it right now, like if you're sitting down, um, immediately, like I like to do that thing where I feel my feet on uh, on the floor, um, kind of rooted in, and then I sit up just a little bit straighter. Uh, I go to my root chakra, kind of pull that in, and then take a breath. Um, or in the simplest way possible, and everybody does this in every yoga class, but there's a good reason for it, take you know, a minute to focus on your breath. The reason there's so much focus on your breath, your breath, your breath, let's like stop, take a moment, take a breath, um, is because that is the most immediate way to ground yourself in your body. And your physical body is always going to be your anchor, especially when you're doing psychic work or, or, or artistic work or anything where you're like, channeling information or kind of like things are running through you um your physical body it, it, it'll be that thing that um will keep you from going over the brink um into a metaphysical you know insanity you know if you can like you know what i'm talking about right when you're like doing yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, i've taken you know in paranormal work too i've taken what i call psychic hits it's not fun oh tell me about that what is that I'll be, you know, I don't, I don't do that very, very, very often anymore, but I remember one time we were doing a post at the Willard Opera House, and as we're sitting there and showing, you know, what, what we, oh, here's just what we got, here's the EVP, all of a sudden I felt something go through me. And I could tell because my stomach did a flippy flop. I was down for three days afterwards. Oh. Wake up, just, just totally exhausted. Wiped out. Oh. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I don't get those very often anymore, but I used to, when I was first starting out doing this stuff, I did because I wasn't grounding right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know? So I had to learn how to do all that. It's interesting. That's really, really interesting. And it's also interesting too, I find when, um, and, and it's different for different people, mm -hmm. when you're really in the right space. Like I, like I have, a, there's definitely like a feeling that goes up my spine and kind of takes over my entire body when I'm bringing through something that is really true or really real or really wants to live in, in, in the space of the class. Mm -hmm. Again, I find that, I fair, I find that pleasurable. I don't, do you, do you get that on the good side as well? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Are there certain students that I'm not going to say attract you because it sounds tacky, but are there certain students that have a brighter light than others when you're teaching them? That have what? A brighter light? Brighter light, to, so to say, you know, as far as their, their abilities and stuff, you know, the ones that are that, that are like the lighthouse in the middle of everything. Definitely. Definitely. And those are like, you know, those are like those friends you had in high school, the ones who always, the ones who would always get it, always the crazy stuff was happening too. Mm -hmm. Or um, one of the things that I, that it's interesting, and I guess it's not surprising, is sometimes the most 
gifted students also wind up being the ones that I don't want to say problematic, like there's something, but that also have a lot of drama going on or are conflicted about their own, like um, their own gifts and talents. Um, and I think that that is, yeah, yeah. But of course, and, and you know, there's so many different levels of, of students who shine in different ways. Like they're the ones that are amazing and they give like the best advice. Like you'll walk out of a reading and you just feel like, oh my God, like they saw me and I know what, I know exactly what I need to do. Mm -hmm. um, there's other people who will like read you and like give you messages from like your grandparents who passed away and you like walk out like teary and like, oh my God. And then, yeah, so people shine their light in so many different, in their so many different ways. Is it like anything else? Like I've noticed what different, like with psychics, I, I watch people, it really irritates me when I see these TV shows where they're going to test the psychics. Yeah. Because not all psychics have the same abilities. No. And I always think it's horribly, horribly unfair for the psychics. Does that go the same way? Uh, does it work the same, same way with tarot? A hundred percent. I mean, well, I, tarot was a little bit different because you can always get an answer out of the cards. Always. And it's not like testing the psychic is almost, I think, in a way meaner than testing a tarot card reader because a tarot because the tarot card reader has their tool. Mm -hmm. um, whereas a psychic or a medium is really only working with themselves. And like, you know, the whole thing about psychic information is is information that comes to you from outside of your body. I never call myself a psychic because I never know when it's going to be working. Right. I never know when something's going to pop inside my head. So I would never like bill myself as that. And then like, you know, so that's the nature of psychic work. It's, it's uncontrollable, I think, unless you've got someone who's really tuned in. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, I think it's mean. And I think, I think the other thing that's kind of absurd about testing the psychic is because really what that's saying is what, there's not an invisible world. Again, what we haven't had miraculously invisible things or unsaid things that we knew that were happening. Like it's just the most, the narrowest way to view our experience of being human. I, think. I agree. It's one thing to test. It's, it's another, it's one thing to look at their abilities and say, okay, you, you're capable of this, this, and this. So if you're going to test them, test them on what they're capable of and don't test them on stuff that they're not going to deal you'll be able to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. Like if someone is really like, oh, like, oh, I work with the FBI and I like help police cases. Well, by all means, like, let's show us. Let's see how that how, how does that work? Like, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, but in but and 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 again, like, what is the benefit for debunking debunking right. psychics? Um, and I get that they're that, of course, if somebody's a scammer, you want to like catch a scammer. Um, but in that grand kind of context. Of, of testing a psychic that's not fair it's just rude no it's, it is rude it is rude my my 85 year old mother i remember i used to do prelims and I, I would like different restaurants so we would go have lunch at restaurants you know so i could talk to the owners we pulled up to this one restaurant and we're outside and my mother goes there's children up there and i said what do you mean there's children up there they're up there playing i can see them and she saw the, the legendary children that people would sit down in the evening in this restaurant. They could hear running back and forth in the hallways. And there's no one that lives up there anymore. Isn't that crazy? And stuff like that. 
that people pick up on. It's also, guys, and, and to add into this, and I, I don't want to, you know, get it on, right on your parade doing this stuff. It's also like for your abilities as you feel them growing, that voice you hear in your head, you know, that says something that maybe it doesn't make sense to you, and you're thinking, well, that has nothing to do with me. It probably has nothing to do with you. It has to do with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have to listen to that voice. You have to listen and you have to say it out loud. (laughs) If the message is coming in, it's kind of like polite to deliver it. Unless it's something, unless it's something. Yes. (laughs) Um, How can you tell if somebody's going to be really good with tarot? So, you know, you being a teacher and all. Hmm. I can tell somebody will be really good at tarot if they're not really freaked out and opening the book every two seconds to try and figure out if, (laughs) yeah, you know, you can just, you can just see it. I mean, I think that, I think it's like anything else. It's, it's a curiosity. Um, and there's a willingness to play and you know, this like part of, part of psychic work and, 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 and communicating with ghosts and like running around the haunted house it, there is an element of fun to that, you yeah, know. That's why they do it in the dark. Yeah. The ghosts are around in the daylight. The ghosts are around when the lights are off, but they want to be in the dark. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So so you can see, you can you can tell the the the, the wonderful students are are ones either who are extremely curious, very open, mm-hmm. but also but also those with a, a sense of wonder and 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 curiosity mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely so if somebody wants to start out without taking a class and say they, they, they want to go buy a tarot deck and start doing you know and start doing readings for the, for themselves how should they go about doing it to make sure they're safe yeah so so first they should find a deck that they really vibe with mm-hmm. um and the way and the way to do that is just sort of think like to go out to stores if you can and start looking through different styles of decks, um, look at reviews online, look for artwork that you vibe with, um, and and so you find a great deck. And then once once you have a deck, I mean there are a million tarot books out there. You don't even have to buy one. You can check them out of the library. Um, Start kind of reading up on the history of tarot, um, but immediately start to read a card for yourself every single day, every morning, pull a card. Okay. Okay. A lot of tarot, a lot of, I would venture 99% of a good tarot reading or, or learning how to read for yourself is also learning how to create a really good question Mm-hmm. Um, cause you're not just going to be pulling cards randomly. You're going to theoretically be asking questions with the tarot. Um, so it's really important to learn how to ask good questions and that's easy. There's like, um, two really easy things you can do to ask tarot a good question. One, um, you always want to assert your power. So avoid, when you're asking questions from, from the tarot, you don't want to ask something like, um, a why or when question. Why does my life suck? When am I going to meet like the person of my dreams? You're going to flip a card. What if the card says it's never going to happen? What are you going to stop asking, <laughs> looking for that? No. So, so ask how, you know, how can I attract the person who is right for me? Um, what can I do? to like make more money? What can I do to come into alignment with the work I'm supposed to do? How can I 
be a badass when my mother-in-law comes over for dinner so I don't lose my mind because she drives me crazy. Like the tarot will give you very specific, simple things mm -hmm. that you can do. So in the beginning, keep it simple. Flip a card, like ask a question, flip your card. Your message is the first thing that comes to you. And then that's it. Stop. Just take that message and let it be. Sometimes it doesn't make sense right away. And not everything is going to make sense right away. Tarot is not quantifiable. Often things make sense a week from now, six months from now, a year from now, when you look back, oh, it all made sense. We're not supposed to know everything all of the time. And if we did, that would take the fun out of life. Sure, absolutely. Um, now those decks when, when they come, when, when people buy the decks, like if, if I if we go to Barnes and Nobles and buy a, Barnes and Noble and buy a deck, they don't have any. Is there information in there to tell you what the cards mean? Yes, in okay. fact, yeah. In in most tarot decks, what? Yes, I have an example. Most, if you get a little deck like this, mm -hmm. um, they have what's called the little white booklet inside that, whoops, that will give you kind of like keywords on what the, um, like maybe one or two spreads and really simplified information. Um, if you wind up getting a big tarot kit like this, I don't have the companion book, but these usually, this is an empty box, but they usually come with like a nice sizable book. Okay. And that will, like, this is my dark wood tarot and I, this kind of, this, came with a nice 30,000 word companion book that I wrote. And it tells you how to read tarot and how to read the cards, what they all mean, a full color book. So these big kits now usually come, so you'll, it'll come with the deck, but then the, the books will often have the full color images as well. So you'll really be able to work with the cards. A lot more detail about what the cards mean too. And there's so much online as well. Like there's so much on YouTube and TikTok and Instagram. I and mean, all oh, you got 10 million psychics and tarot card readers out there telling you how you can read tarot. Like the information is coming fast and furious. Um, so really the best thing you can do is just keep playing and experimenting with the cards on your own. See, you're a fun reader. When I think of tarot card readers, I think of Madame Leota. <laughs> <You know? laughs> It's just funny because I mean that—that's TV. That's the influence of TV and and and, and the, those mediums. That's what you think tarot card readers are. You think of them, you know, at, at the county fair, sitting in the sitting in the tent, you know, that kind of thing. You're not like that. Oh no no no! Although I'll sit down with a county. I love going to get tarot readings. I love it. I love it. It's so much fun. Um, and the interesting thing is, even the ones who are interested in scamming you. Um, you know, and you'll know it because they're there again, they're the ones that'll be like, yeah, yeah, I see bad energy in your life. That doesn't mean they also might not. I've gotten really good, accurate psychic readings from right. my scanner. Like she told me stuff nobody else could have known. And right. then at the end was like, and you got some bad energy. So come see me next week and bring $200. And I was like, <laughs> but it didn't negate that she was a pretty good psychic, which, you know. But thank you for that. Yeah, no. You, that, and that's the thing. There's tarot, there's every kind of tarot card reader out there. Right, right, right. Somebody said that they pulled, I guess they were messing around with tarot cards this morning. And they had a uh, rider weight deck. Mm -hmm. And they pulled the two of swords. Yes. What does that mean? So the two of swords, 
uh, is traditionally, and especially in the Rider Waite Smith deck, which I don't have in front of me, but the, the figure on the card is kind of sitting back in repose and holding two swords. Um, and, and their heart chakra is covered and they have a blindfold on. Um, and so really the two of swords is about going within. It's about keeping, it's about a decision. It's about thoughts that you need to work through without the interference of the outside world. So it's actually quite a meditative card, um, but it carries a much deeper occult significance. And especially in the Rider-Waite-Smith tarot, Whenever you see a blindfold, it's important to remember it is not someone who has been blindfolded and has like been abducted. In the in in the Rider Waite Smith um, uh, deck, that is the occult initiation. So any of those blindfolded characters are actually undergoing something. Where when that blindfold comes off, they will see the world with a new pair of eyes. So it's actually kind of a it's a really special card. I, I love that card. Awesome, that's awesome. Uh, that brings me back to another question: Do you suggest, uh, do you feel that people that that read tarot uh, should meditate? Oh, I think that the act of reading tarot becomes meditative in and of itself. Okay. Especially okay. when, because when you start to when you start to learn the cards, one of the things that um, you do is meditate into the card just to find out what's in there. So, so it's kind of part and parcel of really getting to know the cards. You would like enter this card with your mind's eye and start to hear what her voice sounds like. What does it feel like? Um, and that becomes a guy like a, like a, an active meditation. Okay. Yes. Okay. And meditation puts you right in line with your sacred imagination, which is where you're going to be getting a lot of the messages from. So yes, yes, yes. Okay, cool. Last question for you. And I asked this uh, because as a journalist, I have to interview businesses all the time. You're in Las Vegas on the strip. There's you, there's all these other tarot card readers out there, or or rather teaching classes. Okay, we'll do it that way. Okay. How do you draw people into your class? How? Yeah. What do you do? In Las Vegas? I started being naked or something on the street. Yeah. What do you do? <laughs> I mean, the first thing that I think of when I about being in Las Vegas, well, I put on some fabulous no, I um <laughs> I honestly, if I was a headpiece, you know? Yeah. I think, you know what I think I would do? I'd probably put out a table of my of my tarot cards that I created. Um, and maybe a couple of books. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I would want to go theatrical. I feel like I would definitely throw on some false eyelashes, some glitter lights. A piece of puff of your head, you know, with tarot cards. That'd be cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I could teach a class in Vegas. I mean, I think I would just want to go gamble with everyone, to be honest with you. <laughs> or go have some fun, right? Like, go take it a show. Like, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd rather, what I'd rather do, so this is what I would do. For okay. my, no, I know what I would do if I was, like, teaching in Vegas. I'd be there with, like, a brochure because what we would do is we would start out with a night on the town. Then the next day, it would be kind of like a tour. And then the next day, we'd take our cards into the Valley of Fire, out into the desert. Oh, yeah. and our, our work with the tarot would begin in the desert, where we could actually focus on the cards, because there's too much crazy-ass energy flying around Vegas. That's right. That's right. That's cool. I'll sign up. All I right. Know. That'd be cool. That'd be really cool. Let's do it. Tell me, tell me what you got coming up now. 
what do I have coming up? So um, I have a new book that just came out this past fall called The Magic of Tarot, which is available at Barnes and Noble, um, everywhere books are sold. I will be headlining the StarCon Tarot Conference in West Palm Beach this weekend, coming up January 21, 22, 23. I will be at the Kropalo Center for Yoga and Healing for Awaken Inner Magic. It's an immersive tarot yoga weekend. That is February uh, 2, 3, and 4 in the Berkshires of Massachusetts. Then I will be um, in Dallas in April, uh, headlining the TED conference. I will be in Salem, Massachusetts, headlining the Witch City wow. um, this summer. I'm going to be up uh, in Kingston, Ontario, headlining an Ontario tarot conference in November. Um, I'm about to put some classes in Portugal online. I'm also teaching. I'm Just go to my website, sashagram.com. It's a lot. Oh, and I also host two events live in Brooklyn every month, a Ghost Stories by the Fire storytelling event and a psychic night where I gather my psychic friends. They'll read their cards for you. So that's live in Brooklyn in Industry City. It's all on my website. Check it out, sashagram.com. Sounds good. Sasha, thank you so much. I learned so much about tarot today. Thank you. you. Have one of my good questions I've had for a long time about it. I really appreciate you coming on. Oh, it's really great to be here. Thank you for having me. Maybe at some point down the line, we'll get you back on to talk to you because, you know, you're, you're, you're fun to talk to. you got good energy. In fact, Jennifer says, shoot, her energy alone would attract people. See? <laughs> <laughs> we could just do this show right on the street, right? Just you and me. Yeah, like, do it just grab people as they're walking. Yeah, as they're walking by. That could work. <laughs> thank you for saying that. And, uh, yeah, thank you for having me. All right. Well, thank you so much. Have a good weekend. Thank you. You too. Be safe, everyone. Bye-bye. Right. All right. That was fun. I learned a lot about tarot. I hope you guys did too, because I had a lot of questions. I've seen, you know, two or three tarot readers were working, and I was curious about how, how it all came together and worked. So thank you, Sasha. Thank you so much for coming on with us. Uh, uh, Sunday, we're done with uh, Mrs. Miracle. It's done with our holiday readings, but... We're going to start reading The Ghost of Flight 401. And that is a thick book, so it's going to take a while to get through it. And it's written by John G. I'm going to, I'm going to do a shameful um, thing for myself. It's written by John G. Fuller, who's no longer with us. But he is the, well, was, was a journalist, writer. And he goes at it from the approach of a skeptic. But uh, he ends up interviewing psychics and pilots and... and uh, crew, you know, air crews from different airplanes and all kinds of stuff. And uh, he, even scientists he interviews to talk to, you know, skeptics to talk to about this stuff. And for those of you that don't know the story, um, the most of Flight 401 is based off, it, it, it turned out to be a true story. It's, well, you know, as far as ghost stories go. And it's about an L-1011 aircraft. L-1011 air, airplanes were about were, were the equivalent to 747s and DC-10s back in the day. And, uh, in fact, I saw a couple when I was younger going to Europe, uh, flying with my family to Europe. And uh, this particular L-1011 crashed uh, either on New Year's or close to New Year's in the Florida Everglades. Killed, uh, killed all the pilots. Uh, killed everybody. I think it killed everybody in the uh, cockpit, I do believe. I'm not positive, but I think it killed but they took. I'm not going. I'm not going to give the story away. But let's just say that when an airplane crashes, if there's any parts that are salvageable from that airplane, they will take the parts and put them on other airplanes. 
Okay. So that's all I'm going to say about that. And there were reports, you know, from, from different airlines and people on the planes. We're talking pilots. We're talking, we're talking maintenance people. We're talking uh, passengers on these different airplanes that saw the dead cockpit crew on these planes. And it was all documented to the point where the Eastern Airlines, who owned the L-1011s at the time, were taking, and every time there was a report, they would come in and take the uh, logbook and tear all the pages out of it or put a new logbook in so nobody would see the reports as they got on, got on each plane. So that's all I'm going to say. So if you're, interested, if you're interested in hearing more about this story, I'm going to start reading it on Sunday at 6, at 6 p.m. Pacific. And uh, it, it's a fascinating book. It's going to start out, you know, where he's laying out the groundwork for this stuff. But once it starts rolling, the stories will chill you to the bone of what people experienced in the airline industry with this haunting. Okay. Anyway, that's going to be Sunday at 6 p.m. Now, Monday, I'm putting on my journalism hat. We're shifting gears a little bit. Renee Fair is going to be with us. And we're going to be talking about domestic violence. We're going to be talking about the different types of domestic violence, whether it's verbal or, you know, physical or whatever. We're going to be talking about that on Monday. So that's going to be Monday show. So look out for that one. But I, I but I do encourage you on Sunday to come in and and and, and go and, and, and kind of, you know, it's only an hour, hour of your time, maybe an hour and a half of your time to sit down and listen to me read from a book. And, and this book is going to be a, a cool book. In fact, I, this book was written in the 70s the 70s, early 80s, and I have two copies of it, and both copies are torn up, and I happen to get one that I could download onto my tablet, so I do have, a, uh, you know, the, the Kindle version of it, it's, it's hard to find, so yeah, so yeah, I encourage you guys to, to you know, c- come in and listen to that book, because it's pretty cool, and it's pretty cool, the stuff that the psychics found out, and all that, but anyway, like I said, Monday is going to be uh, Renee Fair or Far, and it's going to be about domestic violence, you know, and we all need to learn a little bit about that, you know, and uh, how to tell if your spouse is going to be violent and, you know, or, or how to get out of, of a domestic violence, how to get out of a domestic violence, you know, violence relationship type relationship. Okay. Anyway, if you like the show, please, please, especially if you're watching on YouTube, please, um, please click on that little guy, that little ghost down there that has the uh, Sherlock Holmes hat and the magnifying glass. Because that's going to make you a subscriber. You know, we've got over 170 videos on there. And each one of these videos is different. You know, uh, different types of guests. Whether you're, whether you're into ghosts, UFOs, whatever. UAPs, I guess they call them now. That must be old. Bigfoot, whatever. Um, I've even got stuff on there like domestic violence cases. Suicide cases. Cybersecurity stuff. That you can look, that you can look at. So if you subscribe, you'll be able to check all... Well, you're going to be able to check it all anyway, but if you subscribe, you'll you'll get alerts as to when these things come up, too. So if you're traveling somewhere and you're you're wondering where the show is, boom, the alert will come up. So please subscribe, because we're looking for subscribers. But if you like the show, you know, we want to get the word out about this show more and more. So share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemy. We're equal opportunity here. And as you can see, there is a ticker running along the bottom of the screen. And what that means is, like I said earlier in the show, California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team is nonprofit. We don't charge for our services. So all the equipment, gas, hotels, microphones, lights, cameras, computers, that all comes out of my pocket. 
my little sign back there. That was just fun. That comes, it all comes out of my pocket. So I want to keep this thing on the air. Okay. So I'm paying for the internet bill. I'm paying for all this stuff. Paying for stream, uh, paying for StreamYard. This all comes out of my pocket. And uh, if you could find it in your heart to donate a little bit to help us keep this show on the air, I would really appreciate it. And I think it's a good enough show. I think we have some good guests, and and uh, we're getting better and better every day. Every day the show gets better. So if you could uh, help me out by donating a little bit at paypal.me at California Haunts, that would be great. Or if you're uncomfortable with PayPal, we do have a Venmo. If you have a Venmo account, you go into Venmo, type in California Haunts, you could donate there. Okay? I'd really appreciate it. The other thing is, if you want to really see all our videos and stuff, and you want to check out our website, go to CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com. Click on that video. It'll take you over to YouTube, because sometimes people have trouble finding our YouTube or our YouTube page. That'll take you over there. Plus, all our archives are there. All the way for the last year and a half, the archives are there. And starting, pro well, I'm, I'm working on it right now, and it's going to take me a while. Because I have 15 years of shows that we did on Blog Talk Radio, and I'm now transferring the links of those, from those shows over on that site as well. So those are all going to be there at, at some point. Right now, I've only got a couple years done from the, you know, from the first, from when I first started doing the show. So that's all going to be over there. Psychic development classes, any kind of event that we have is going to be on that, on that site at at, 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 at CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com as well. So uh, you know, ch check out the site. It's 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 a really cool site. There's a lot on there. I even have some uh, paranormal news topics on there that you guys might be interested in. Okay. Anyway, I want to thank you guys for coming tonight, and I will see you all Sunday at 6 p.m. I hope to see you all Sunday at 6 p.m. Pacific so we can read The Ghost of Flight 401. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and run Sasha's information so you know where to get her books. And then she has like about um, she has around 13 books out, and uh, I was going to categorize them all, and then I ran out of time. So I've got the, I've got the top three or four books, and... Uh, you can get them at Amazon, but once you get to Amazon, you can find all her books there. Plus on her website, she's got all her books and all her tarot card decks listed on that side as well. So here you go. Here's Sasha's information. That's SashaGram.com. And Darkwood Tarot is one thing she was showing us where she's got that big it could you can actually buy the book separate and get that big packet you know where it has the tarot cards in it as well the magic of tarot it's another of her books and i think she forgot to tell us that she's got a book coming out it's called tarot original 1909 and this is due this is due to be published soon there's pre-orders going on this thing too and those are going to be at amazon.com And again, I thank you guys, and hopefully you come and join me Sunday, so we can, re re so we can, you know, get some, make some popcorn, do whatever, have coffee, hot cocoa. I know my niece gave me a couple of hot, hot chocolate bombs. I can't wait to use them, and uh, so we can read the Ghost of Life 401. So I will see you Sunday, and if not, join me on Monday for Renee Fair, so we can talk domestic violence. All right, guys, talk to you later. Let's see you. <laughs>